Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to episode 88 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to speak with Bart Yasso about all things running community. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational. And let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners and welcome to episode 88. Hi Letty. Hey Ryan, how is it going? Pretty good. How was this week of work after, uh, you know, little time off in Hawaii? Tough. <laughs> I can imagine. Ready to move to Hawaii. I know. I kind of am too. I'm kind of reminiscing and looking at our photos and the scenery and all that stuff. Not that Florida sucks so much, but, you know, it's 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 a different beast. It'd be a cool vacation place. It would be a cool place. Right? To be. Wink, wink. Surprise me. I mean, if you want to buy me a house for vacation <laughs> <laughs> in Hawaii... Those don't come cheap. Well, it's good to be back too, though. Um, if you look at everybody else's weather, we've had uh, pretty cold weather for us, which is in the 50s and 60s. And today it's in the 70s and finally warming up a little bit again. Yeah, it was like one day of cold. Not even that cold. <laughs> well, we had the heater on. Well, yeah, you set the heater to 75. Well, I like to keep my house at 78. So what's the problem? It's quite warm. <laughs> So we've been back for actually a couple of weeks now, and it's been it's been fun. Oh, you did a last minute race too. Yes, and I think we talked about that last episode. It was a FOMO event, fear of missing out driven event. Our local Naples half marathon. How'd it go? It was an amazing experience, Ryan. Do you remember I ran that same race two years ago and I hated it? I don't remember you hating it, but I remember you not liking it as much, yeah. Because I pushed so hard for... A new PR and I'm realizing more and more that, you know, you can have a better experience if you either are better prepared or you don't overdo the pushing. And guess what? What? I'm still alive and still happy, <laughs> even if I don't push myself so hard. Yeah, I think everyone's probably different. Like, but yeah, I think you just enjoy going out there and just, I think, being around people and participating. So that's probably why it's more enjoyable when you actually get to spend the time to do that instead of just trying to run as fast as you can. I completely agree. I'm a people person. I love the running community and I saw so many friends and acquaintances and so many high fives, so many smiles. <laughs> it was pretty epic. So when's your next race? So our next race is going to be the Miami Half Marathon, which is in, I guess, two weeks from when this recording comes out, February 6th. And I can't wait to do that too, just because it's such a full cultural musical everything experience so i'm super excited for that race as well are you gonna run it fast i'm gonna try to run it faster than naples but still i don't think i'm in shape to pr i'm a couple minutes away so only a couple minutes yes what's your pr for the half 
134. What'd you get in Naples? 137. It's really only three minutes. Yeah. In Miami, I'm going to try to get a 136. But you know what? Only one minute faster? I mean, you know, it's not that much time in between those two races. Did you stop for any water breaks in Naples? No, I just grabbed the water. No peeing, okay. no water, nothing. No peeing? No, just waving, smiling. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about our guest for this week. So today's guest is Bart Yasso. So for all of you guys that have been training, running, following marathon plans, you might find on your plan something called the Yasso 800s. And he is basically the inventor of of that. So what it is, is a workout where runners run 800 meters 10 times with a 400 meter break. And what you do is you take the time, the minutes that it takes and do the average of all 10 runs. And that's supposed to be your prediction, a pretty accurate prediction for your marathon time. How accurate is it? It's pretty accurate. So anyway, so he invented those, but he's way more than that. He's a huge leader in the running community and an ambassador for all runners. He's run races in all seven continents because he used to work for Runner's World. He was a CRO, the chief running officer. And he just decided that he should make that his lifestyle. So he knows tons of people. And it's just, I don't know, he has amazing stories. So I can't wait for you to hear that interview. Yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah. So you want to hop into that? Let's do it. Without any further ado, <laughs> we're now going to play our interview with Bart Yasso. All right. So I'm here with Bart Yasso. Bart, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Lenny. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Of course. So in the running world, you're known as the mayor of running, but you're in the Runners Hall of Fame. You have run races on all seven continents. You're the retired Runner's World CRO, a motivational speaker, race announcer. You've written books and you've invented the Yasso 800s and so much more that I don't even probably know of. But um, maybe you can tell us how you started running. Sure, sure, Letty. So I started running in the late 70s, like 1977. I sort of started running. Uh, I don't know if you'd really call it running what I was doing. I was wearing like cut off jeans and a Budweiser t-shirt and beat up shoes that, you know, I thought were running shoes, but they weren't really running shoes for what kind of shoes we have today. Uh, but, you know, everyone starts somewhere. And that was me just trying to run a mile, trying to get in shape, trying to be healthier and never thinking that I would end up doing races and end up running all over the world and getting a job at Runner's World Magazine. I worked there for 31 years. Getting, like you said, get, getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, the Distance Running Hall of Fame, that, that stuff just was not any of the things I wanted to do when I started running. I was just really just trying to get in shape. Uh, and then one thing led to, you know, started running one or two days a week and eventually three or four days a week, eventually five or six days a week. and then going from one mile up to three miles to five miles and just progresses. And then uh, my older brother, George, who was really my father figure in my life, uh, he challenged me to do a 10K race. And uh, so I took, him on, took on the challenge because he was my older brother and mentor and father figure. And he beat me in that race and that just lit the fire for me to, to really try to be a better runner and, uh, and it just snowballed from there. 
uh, you know, doing a lot of road races, a lot of marathons, ended up, you know, working at Runner's World. Just uh, to be honest, some days it feels like it was a dream, but I know it was reality. And uh, I retired from Runner's World four years ago. Actually, my retirement date just was a couple of days ago. And uh, I can't believe how fast four years has gone by. Uh, but I put a post out on social media about, you know, showing a picture of my crazy office at Runner's World, which was full of running memorabilia from all over the world. And I had so many nice comments from people. The running community is a very special place. And uh, I always found comfort in the running community. And that's what kept me in this sport. And, uh, you know, as soon as we finish up doing this podcast, I'm going to head out for a run and, uh, you're in the nice warm climate of Florida <laughs> and I'm in Pennsylvania where the, the feels like right now is six degrees and the actual temperature I think is 18. It's a, it's a chilly day, but I'm still going to go out there and run. And I gotta be honest, I, I run so much slower than I used to run, but the joy is still there. I mean, I love it as much as I did 44 years ago. And, uh, you know, I just slowed down a lot due to age and 44 years of running. And I had some problems with Lyme disease, which played a role in my decline. But, uh, you know, pace doesn't matter. The only pace that's the most important is your your personal happy pace. What you're happy at running, with, where you get the joy out of it, that's, that's the way I look at running these days. And I really, I profess to be a runner for life when I talk to other runners. And I have to live that myself to, uh, I really want to be a a runner for the rest of my life. I made that commitment when I was in South Africa in 2010 at the Comrades Marathon and inter- talking to a lot of the black South African runners who really didn't run during apartheid because of fear. And, uh, you know, and then once apartheid was abolished and they would do start doing road races and doing the Comrades Marathon, which uh, was a race I was the reason why I was in South Africa to do the Comrades Marathon, talking to them and the, the runners that uh, black South Africans that I talked to that did Comrades during apartheid uh, felt that the only time they felt free and free of apartheid was when they ran Comrades. They felt like, you know, Comrades didn't exist. And I, I just, you know, hearing that, that was the words, looking at, look at someone right in the eye and, and hearing that it just it hit me that you know like if this sport of running is so powerful that it can suppress something as evil as apartheid that's my sport and i'm going to do that the rest of my life so keep on running (laughs) whatever uh you know i get inspired by the running community which also helps to keep me going Yes, yes. And it's absolutely true what you're saying. You know, that's what we like to say in our running club. It's a speeder's relative. And you're a trooper for running in the Pennsylvania cold. But um, (laughs) let me backtrack a little bit. So how did one from running competitive or running competing against your brother, make that switch to making running your lifestyle and your job? Because for a lot of us, we have a daytime job and running ends when the run ends, but you kind of were able to bring that together and make it into your job. Uh, what made you do that? And how did that happen? When I was out, I, I got, I was thinking back in the early, late seventies, early eighties, going out doing 22 mile runs and stuff like that. And thinking, 
wouldn't it be cool to get a job in running? And that's what I would do for a living. But it was more just, you know, like a pipe dream that would come into my head when I was out there doing long runs. Uh, but it really did happen. So, you know, it, I, I had the greatest gig in running, being the chief running officer at Runner's World, getting to travel all over the world as a job and uh, just interact with runners. Uh, you know, I, it was really fun. Runner's World moved their headquarters to quote to very close to where I was living. So then I got to meet a lot of the Runner's World folks and they liked me and you know, I was pretty active in the local running community. So, you know, my job was to be to connect Runner's World to the entire running community and go out on the road and go to races. And, you know, that's how it all started. But then they also just sent, you know, they gave me race assignments, uh, you know, to go like, like I did the Badwater 146 mile race in Death Valley in July as a work assignment. Uh, <laughs> I never turned down a work assignment ever. Well, I didn't care what it was or where they sent me. I was willing to go. And I think that helped, you know, and that's one of those things I, I personally said to myself, I didn't say it publicly or uh, I just said, once I started my job at Runner's World, I realized, you know, I had this opportunity to really, I felt like a door opened for me that was very special and I wasn't going to take it for granted. So I, you know, I committed myself to work harder, not more than anyone at Runner's World. I said, I'm going to work harder than anyone in this race industry. And this is my, my break that I got and I'm going to do the best I can and uh, kind of worked out. That's awesome. That's so cool because you got to travel. Something that I like to do myself is going to races and, you know, not necessarily PRing, but just soaking it all in the experience, the culture, the different country, the language and everything this entails. So we know that you've traveled and raced on all seven continents. So perhaps maybe you can talk about a few of those experiences and tell us yeah. what were the most exotic places and experiences that you were brought to because of running. Sure, Letty. Of course, Antarctica is the one that's the hardest to get to uh, doing the Antarctica. I did the Antarctica half marathon. Uh, but yeah, getting to Antarctica, uh, I was there with Marathon Tours. A friend of mine, Tom Gilligan, owns the company Marathon Tours. And we uh, got all these runners to Buenos Aires. And then once everyone was in Buenos Aires, we took a charter flight to the tip of South America, Tierra del Fuego, and then board these Russian freighters to head to Antarctica. It was such an awesome trip. And then to see all the wildlife in Antarctica, all the penguins and whales, and oh my God, it's just a magical place. And some people may look at Antarctica and just the starkness of it and nobody lives there. And, you know, it's just, everything's frozen. Uh, they may look at that and they don't think it's, uh, it's that exciting, but I was the exact opposite. I loved it, uh, you know, and, And the wildlife there is just incredible. When you see, you know, come up on a colony of penguins that are like 200,000 penguins on, a, on this island that you come by, it's like, wow, it's, it's, a, it's a magical place. The race was really cool. I helped set up the race course. Uh, and uh, we did this course that everyone would pass one location four times. If you're doing the marathon, you'd pass it twice, two and a half marathon. So it made it easier for people to have gear and the type of food they wanted and things like that. Uh, but setting up the course in Antarctica, 
we were being attacked by this bird called the skewer. And this bird would dive bomb us. It's sort of like a little bit bigger than a crow. And I'm telling you, this bird was so aggressive and so mean. I, I would, you know, I always said I'd face down a bear rather than this bird. They were so, they were, it was crazy how mean they were. And, uh, but they were nesting. So they thought we're there to bother their nest. So they were very protective of their nest and come at you flying right at your head eyes beat it on your eyes and you're like oh my god this bird's gonna fly right into my face and then i'd dive on the ground and the bird would take its wet feet and smack me in the back of the head and then fly away i'm like oh my god <laughs> killed by birds i had, i wasn't thinking that way when i went to antarctica but it was uh but just the it's such a different environment than what most of us are used to and then racing in africa you know, doing Mount Kilimanjaro Marathon, Comrades Marathon. Uh, when I say Comrades Marathon, for people that don't know about the Comrades Marathon, they call it the Comrades Marathon. It's actually 89 kilometers or 56 miles. So it's not the marathon distance, but, you know, it's such an old race. They just named it the Comrades Marathon. But I always, I always say that Comrades is the greatest foot race on the planet. Uh, and uh, I stand by those words. And when I Put those words in runner's world, you know, I get all these people that have gone to comrades because they read uh, the stories in runner's world about running comrades. And uh, I always thought someone's going to go there and not think it's the greatest foot race on the planet. And it's never happened. I get emails all the time about people that would run comrades and say, you were right. It's the greatest foot race in the world. There's no doubt about it. What makes it so great? Uh, I think the changes that they did from not allowing black citizens to run in a country of at that time when they weren't allowing black citizens to run in the country or certainly suppressing black citizens to run the race, uh, you know, in a country of 80% black citizens. Uh, but then the white citizen runners are the ones that said to the race officials, hey, you've got to not only allow the black citizens to run, but encourage them to run. If you don't do it, we're not going to do your race anymore. And if we don't do your race, you don't have a race. So it was really the runners that worked with the race and created this, uh, you know, more inclusive race that allowed the black citizens to not only run, but to flourish. And then black South Africans started winning the Comrades Marathon and became heroes in South Africa, which was not a very common thing to have happened during apartheid. So to see that physical change and then what they do today is work with a lot of the black South Africans that don't have the, you know, don't have money to, to buy shoes and the train and get a hotel room. They work, they have these programs to help everyone out. So it's, uh, I think that's what, that spirit is what made the race, uh, what to me so special to see all the, you know, when I lined up at that start and I was around all these black South Africans and they play this song called Shoshalosa. And it's a freedom song that the black citizens, when they were sent to the diamond mines uh, for two to three months working nonstop, they would get to come home after a couple months and they would sing this song, Shoshalosa, which was their freedom song. They played it at the start. Oh my God, I get chills. That was uh, 12 years ago and I still get chills thinking about it. All the all the black South Africans around me were crying, tears running down their cheeks. And I'm like, God, 
I was like hyperventilating at the start. I said, I hope they start this race because I think I'm going to stop breathing. It was such an emotional thing. Yeah. They were just grateful for the opportunity. It's really hard to talk about, to be honest, because I can't think of being suppressed the way they were suppressed. But I'll tell you, when I went over there, I was uh, I was a decent runner at that distance, 50 miles, you know, comrades being 56 miles. My personal best at 50 miles is six hours and 11 minutes, which is something like 7.25 per mile pace. Oh, wow. I, I, can't, I can't run one mile that fast these days, but I used to be able to run 50 at that pace. But when I went to Comrades in uh, 2010, I was really having problems, health problems with Lyme disease. And I was not in good shape at all. In fact, I think I've only, only did like 14 or 15 runs in the five months leading up to Comrades, which is not the way you want to enter a 56-mile race. But I was convinced because of my health problems at the time that this may be my only opportunity to do it. And I remember doing a 5K, local 5K race right before I headed to South Africa. Man, I couldn't even break 30 minutes in a 5K. I was so, I was just so bad shape. And uh, and it was hard to do that 5K. And I thought, God, I'm getting on a plane to go to travel to South Africa to run 56 <laughs> miles. What am I doing? And maybe this isn't a good idea. But I kept saying, I, I got to do it because I, I wrote down these words that my only re- when I had a lot of the health problems, I thought I was going to have to stop running completely. And I thought the only regret I had was I didn't do comrades because I entered comrades twice and I got sick both times with this Lyme disease stuff and I was not able to run the race. So I kind of forgot about doing it. And then when I wrote those words down, my only regret would be I never got to run comrades. I just said, I got to do it, whatever, it, you know, there's a 12 hour cutoff. You got to get to the finish line before 12 hours. And I thought, okay, I can just will myself to that finish line somehow. I'm not going to run like I used to run, but, but right before I left, I always talk about this running community, how it works right before I was going to head to the airport. I got an email from this guy, Bobby McGee. And uh, he, he is a South African guy, but he's lived in the United States for a lot of years. But he sent me this email. I got to read it to you. Once I got this email, I said, okay, I'm going to finish comrades. And uh, he said, uh, Bobby writes, he said, hey, friend, great wide sage. You will be in my thoughts when you tackle comrades. May the warmth of the KwaZulu-Natal and the people of South Africa drive you onwards towards that finish. Savor every moment as you taught us to do. So you have run the great marathons and ultras of the world. This is the greatest of the ultras that may rank up there as the greatest foot race of all time. Being the one, being one of the, the planet's greatest running spirits, you will be welcomed into its bosom. Even healthy, it examines every fiber of who a runner is. It takes and gives in equal vast amounts. It's a feast of a run with consequences of every imaginable, imaginable kind. From the moment you hear the shotgun blast to the imploring hands of the crowd at the finish, you will reaffirm that no matter what, you were born to run this race. And then he said, uh, good luck, Bart. May the gods be with you. Draw from the, the earth those people and all the glorious miles you have run on the planet. You will need and love them all. I'm like, dang. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready to go right now. 
I was like, I could, I could have driven right to the airport right when I read that. I was so ready to run this race. But that's, that's an amazing, e- nice email. Yes. Like how, how does that happen? Like how did, how did you know to send it? I, there was some blurbs on Runner's World that I was heading over there and I was, you know, I was honest that I was having health problems, but I still wanted to do it. And uh, for him to get that to me right before I was, <laughs> like literally the day before I was heading out, uh, that I could read that thing and I printed it out, took it with me, carried it with me during the race. I wrapped it up in plastic. And I thought if I get to some point on the race where I don't think I can make it, I'm going to read this email again from Bobby and continue on. But I never had to take it out. I was, <laughs> I was able to get to that finish before they closed the finish line down. I was something like 11 hour, 11 hours and 30 minutes, somewhere in that range, somewhere. Did you, did you ever get to meet him? You know, I haven't, I've met Bobby, but I haven't personally seen him since I got this letter. Uh, we communicated through social media and stuff, but, uh, you know, I certainly reached out to him when I got back, uh, from South Africa, but no, I haven't, I haven't run into him in person. I, I can't wait to give him a hug when I do see him someday. Yes, because he created this amazing memory that you have. And now um, now you made me want to sign up for comrades. Yeah. So that that's, I think, what drives a lot of people. You know, they, sometimes I read this letter when I do one of my motivational speeches at a race. And, and then that's what people do, comrades. And then, I, you know, after they finish, I get this email. Just, you know, they find me through social media or get my email or however they get a hold of me and say, you were right. It's the greatest race in the world. And that, that makes me happy when I hear that kind of stuff. And the messages I saw in my post the other day, people, you know, they say I inspired them to take their running to another level or to start running. Uh, I had this message from this principal of a elementary school. And I used to go speak to the kids at this school and get them fired up about running and, you know, starting to be, active and healthy at a young age and this principal was always there he was a principal of school but he wasn't a runner and he used to kind of be behind me but he always paid attention to what I talked about which I never knew and then I got a you know a message from him a couple years ago he said man you always talked about this sport of running out how special it is and the running community and all this stuff and he said I'm running my first marathon in a couple weeks and he said it was all because of you. And I thought, wow, I mean, I didn't even know this guy was paying attention to what I was talking to the kids about. I you know it's pretty, pretty interesting, and, uh, you know, to get to make those connections. And, you know, you just never know how it's going to happen. Like I was there to speak to the kids, not the principal. But, uh, you know, he was paying attention to what I was talking about. And, uh, changed his life. He lost a lot of weight loves running and he's happier and feels better than ever. You know what he said? So that's cool. cool. I mean, it's like they say, you know, they say it with, um, raising kids, but I guess it goes for running too, that the greatest way of teaching somebody something is living by example and you by being you and doing what you did or do still in the community, it just, you never know who you touch and you never know what sentence you say that may change someone's life or what action they see you do that makes them want to be better themselves. Yeah, Letty. And you, you said something very special to me. It said, you being you, uh, because I had so many people reach out to me 
when I retired and, you know, uh, you know, they always said, okay, how did you, how did this happen? What can you tell me to do that? I can, you know, get a job like you had. And, and, you know, I always said, all I did was be myself. I didn't do anything. There was no class that I took or no, uh, you know, I said, I was just being the best paryaso and that that's the way it happened. So, uh, you know, when I when I did uh, walk out of my runner's world office and, uh, you know, again, it was it was people always came in my office because of that stuff from all over the world hanging on the walls. And there was no empty space on the walls. There was memor- running stuff everywhere. Uh, people did ask me what my message to the running community would be as I'm walking, you know, walking out of the door. At runner's world. And I said, well, first off, I'm retired from runner's world, I'm not retiring from running or the running community. But I said, my real message is that people don't realize how inspiring they are and how they personally inspire me. And sometimes you, you'll never know who you inspire. Just go out there and run and be yourself and share your story. That's all, that's all you got to do. Uh, because I guarantee you, you'll inspire a lot of people. You know, I, I heard from a lot of people because I worked at runner's world. My email address was on the masthead of Runner's World. There were back in the day we had uh, two million readers of our magazine, so uh, people knew how to get a hold of me. And so I did actually hear from some of the people I inspired, but but a lot of people never never would. And uh, but they do inspire a lot of people, including yourself. And and you're super nice too. You're very approachable. I send you a message and. You wrote me back. I really wasn't expecting that. I thought, okay, this is going to be a long shot. So, um, you know, that's that's another thing that you're very personable too for people. You know, it's funny when I get emails from people, they they think that someone else reads all my emails because they always started out like, uh, "Could you ask Bargasso if he would do this?" And I'm like, <laughs> uh, "Who? <laughs> I am Bargasso. Who do you mean?" And it's always they think. They always say, oh, we didn't think you would do your emails or your social media. We think you, you know, pay someone to do all that stuff. And it's like, no, I would never do that. I mean, my, per, I, you know, what I put on social media is me. And, uh, you know, it has to be me. And the same thing with responding to the community that reaches out to me. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. And um, so that's one of the messages that you're trying to bring across. But you also wrote a few books. So perhaps you can tell us about how you ended up writing those and what are those messages in those books? So my memoir is uh, My Life on the Run, which I was shocked that no one ever used that as a book title because I thought someone would have used it that like lived on the lamp for 20 years, like escaped from prison or something. (laughs) My Life on the Run, but it just seemed to make sense for my my life. Uh, So uh, I used it. A co-author by the name of Kathleen Parrish, who was so nice to work with, and uh, you know, came out with a memoir. And I got to be honest, when when uh, Runners World approached me about doing a memoir, I said, I don't want to tell my life story. I, you know, I just was not excited about the opportunity. But you know, I thought about it and I said, okay, I never said no to anything that you know they asked me to do, so I'm going to do it. And uh, but I really wanted someone like Kathleen Parrish, who I worked with, that would keep everything, my voice and my story. And uh, it worked out perfectly. And, uh, you know, when it came out, I was still like, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I 
put my whole life out there on in a, in a book. But after it was out there and I got all these messages from people that the book meant so much to them, then I was happy I did. And everything changed. Uh, but that was 2008, my life on the run came out. And then when I announced my retirement at Runner's World a year before I retired, so that, you know, I told everyone at the magazine, one year from today, I'm going to leave. And uh, just so they could prepare or, you know, if they wanted to hire someone, to, you know, that I should coach or help or, uh, you know, they had plenty of time to do this stuff. And then right away, they asked me to do a book on, you know, I said, you've raced everything, like literally everywhere and every distance so so i did this book called race everything and how to race different distances and some of the highlights of some of the races i went to that were different distances and it was a lot of fun to work with uh, and i worked with a writer by the name of aaron strout who was great to work with uh, and she was doing stuff as a freelancer for runners world at the time so the work with aaron was just awesome and i got lots of nice feedback from uh on that book, Race Everything. And then there's a lot of books that we did at Runner's World that were like the big book of marathons and the big book of half marathons and a lot of my training programs that were in there. So I worked with Andy Burfoot, a gentleman who uh, was the editor at Runner's World, a gentleman who also won the Boston Marathon in 1968. And then this uh, ultra runner extraordinaire, Jen Van Allen, who was an editor at Runner's World. So three of us got together and got these uh, big books out. So books are fun to work on. Uh, you know, I now, most of runners I know these days are doing all their books in Audible, you know, listening to them when they're out on runs and uh, or when they're commuting to and from work. So it's interesting how the whole book world is changing, but it's still pretty active. I, I receive messages every day about one of those books, uh, you know, it, the, for me, the nice thing about social media is people know how to get a hold of me, whether it's through my website or Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and they send me these messages. Sometimes they have questions about the books. Uh, sometimes they just leave a nice message. So it's fun to connect with people uh, that we have, you know, share this in common. And, uh, you know, and, uh, they encourage me and I, I encourage them. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, that's cool. Um, and so another topic I wanted to bring up is the famous Yasso 800. So so perhaps you can, for our new listeners, because we have a whole lot of new runners that started because of sure. the pandemic, perhaps you can explain to the newer runners what the Yasso 800s are, how they work, and basically just how they came about. Yeah, so there was an article on Runner World in... Uh, 1993 and there hasn't been a day in my life that i haven't received a message about yasso 800 that's <laughs> not a day in my life there's always a message or you know somehow someone connects something to me about yasso 800 it's pretty fun but it really is just a, a workout 10 times 800 meters with a 400 meter recovery jog. I always warmed up three miles, cooled down three miles. It was a lot of miles, but it was a real killer workout to, you know, midweek, 10 times 800 meters with a 400 meter recovery. Uh, and then, you know, Amby found out that, Amby Burfoot found out that when I do these 800s, when I average in the 800s equals what I run in the marathon, 
course of marathons in hours and minutes versus doing the 800 correlation in minutes and seconds. So if you're trying to run a 250 marathon, you run the 800s in two minutes and 50 seconds, or trying to run a four and a half hour marathon that's you're doing the 800 meter repeats in four minutes and 30 seconds. But for newbies, you know, you start out doing three or four of them, build up to 10. Uh, and that's, that was the workout I always did 10 times, 800, 400 meter recovery. I was big on a three mile warm up and three mile cool down, but you can get away with just, you know, 20 minutes or something, whatever works for people. I always say to people, tweak it to what works for you. Uh, but I never thought, you know, and then Ambi named them Yasso 800s in the article that was in Runner's World. And I thought, okay, what, you know, people are going to look at this and they're going to do these Yasso 800s one time and then they'll forget about, forget about it. You know, the, I was looking at the magazine it's in, back then we published a magazine, you know, 12 times a year. So I said, okay, for one month, it'll be popular as the magazine's out there and then everyone will forget about it. Man, the exact opposite happened. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing, and I mean on a global scale. Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really cool because it's almost like you know, Kleenex. Kleenex are just tissues, but right. the brand has become so prominent that when we call it, we don't call it a tissue; we call it a Kleenex. So now you've right. got that, and how amazing is it that you have something named after you? Yeah, I was in a, a trail run in the South Island of New Zealand one time. And uh, this was when I could still run pretty well. And uh, I'll never forget, finish this race and wait at, at the award ceremony, wait for the award c- ceremony to start. And this guy starts telling me about Yasso 800s. And he has no clue who I am. But he's telling me he did well in this race because he did these Yasso 800s. I can't wait to do his marathon because he did these Yasso 800s. And I was going to tell him who I was, but he never stopped talking. So I was just all ears. And then uh, the race director says, you know, he starts with the award ceremony and I get called up on the stage. Lord Yasso, you may know him from the Yasso 800s. And this guy was like, his face dropped. He, he, he couldn't <laughs> believe it. He was telling me all about Yasso 800s. It was so much fun when I walked up that stage and walked up to him. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I've heard of those things. <laughs> he was was just crazy to be like that far from where I live and and have that kind of connection. Yeah, no, that's that's really the coolest. That's a really cool story. So Bart, um, what do you have planned for this year? I read online on your social media that you're planning on doing a trip to Alaska. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what yeah. else you have going on this year? What races can we see you at? Yeah, so I, I still go to, you know, I wouldn't say a lot of races, probably about 15 a year. Most of them I'm working at doing race announcing or speaking at their dinners or wherever they have me at, at their expos. Uh, but I am going to run a couple races this year for sure. I want to do a 50K trail run uh, and uh, I pick one like in May. I got a little bit of time. I could build up a little bit of mileage so, so I don't uh, fade in the 50K. Uh, but races like, you know, I'll be at Shamrock and Virginia Beach and uh, the Alaska race is in August. It, uh, it's called the Anchorage Run Fest. I do the race announcing every year. and Oh, my God, it's so much fun. And then I always go to the I host the Kauai Marathon in Hawaii every year in September. It's always Labor Day weekend. So, you know, I'm still going to races. Oh, I always go to the, I do the 
work on the television show on the race announcing at the Oklahoma City Marathon in Oklahoma City, which is a very, very emotional race, the, what they call run to remember. It, it, you know, it's all about the bombing that happened in Oklahoma City. And uh, they do everything to try to help people heal from that uh, day. And it's uh, the community really rallies, rallies around that race. So I'm, I'm still going to get out there and, you know, do a couple races. Shamrock, I plan on running the half. And I love running Philly half. And then uh, we'll see about 50K. That would be uh, a joy. And then Kauai has a, uh, a marathon and a half, and I always do the half. I have a streak of doing the half every year. We have, so I got to keep that streak going. Uh, but but the marathon is it's a tough marathon, but it's beautiful. I mean, and the half is beautiful. But I don't know. The first year I did the half, and then I just said, okay, I'm going to stick with the half in Kauai because uh, I it allows me to get to the finish line and greet a lot of the runners. Being the host, I want to be at the finish line anyway, so I go out and get my. 13.1 miles in and then uh, hang out at that finish and greet people as they come in. That's awesome. That's cool. So I might probably run into you at the Oklahoma City Marathon. I'm kind of on the oh. fence about booking it because uh, when I moved to the States first, um, Oklahoma City, for whatever reason, was my first stop. And so yeah. I spent five years there and uh, it was after the bombing and prior to them having that race, but I've been back there and I have family there. So I've been thinking about joining yeah. for that one. It's a really nice race. And uh, like I say, they really connect with, you know, people that were survivors of the bombings, people that, you know, had a family member that was lost that day. Uh, so it really is a race that's still healing a city and helping people through that process. Uh, even though it was, you know, back in the nineties, it still, it still works, you know, it's still on a lot of people's minds. It was a tragic day for this country, but the, Absolutely. you know, the race puts on a classic, you know, well done half marathon, marathon and 5k and relay. Uh, but they do a lot of special ceremonies around the, the bombing to you know, help a lot of people. So I, I love going that race. I hope to meet you there. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and so last but not least, um, I wanted to have you tell us how people can reach you um, on social sure, media, right. et cetera. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I didn't get very creative in my, my social media handles or my name. <laughs> Instagram is Bariaso. I see all these, you know, people have runner Joe 483 or their marathon personal best in their time. Mine are just Bariaso. You could just be uh, Yasso 800s too. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think the one Facebook post is Yasso 800s and the other one's Bar Yasso. And then Instagram is Bar Yasso and Twitter is Bar Yasso. And I, I do my best to keep up on all that stuff the best I can. Sometimes there's so many messages, it's hard to sort through them all, but I do my best to keep up with the flow. And, uh, and yeah, and just reach out if you have any questions. I'd be happy to connect with you. Uh, you know, just... Uh, I thrive on the running community. So I get inspired by the people I meet. Uh, someone posted it today. They said, you know, they were in a funk because, and it's a local runner. You know, what, what can I do to get out of this funk running in the crappy snow and slush and cold? And, uh, and I, I sent her a, a comment about Adrian, uh, my friend Adrian, who was a 
lost her leg in the Boston Marathon bombing, who's training in Boston right now in the cold and the ice on a prosthetic limb. And I saw some of the posts she did, and I said, okay, if you pay attention to that, you know, we can get out there and run in this stuff. She, if she's doing it, we can do it. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, the community is, there's just so much out there that's so inspirational. You really got to, uh, you know, if you embrace it and, and use it to, to your advantage, you know, some people have a negative thing on social media and I have the exact opposite. I really enjoy what people post and, uh, you know, how they inspire me through social media. Um, you know, this past weekend, the Houston Marathon, you know, Sarah Hall, her husband, Ryan, and Sarah are friends of mine. And she set an American record at the half marathon. And then this Kira Diamato set the American record in the marathon. And Sarah has four adopted children and Kira and her husband have two younger kids. So for these ladies to be doing what they're doing, uh, you know, it amazes me. Um, they, they, <laughs> it's so inspiring to think, you know, what they can accomplish, uh, you know, really against all odds. No, absolutely against all odds, because it's easier to train when you don't have a job because running is your job and then you run hard and then you have the massages and everything. But being a mom myself, you know, yeah. a lot of our nights are interrupted, um, short on sleep. And, you know, we can't say that excuse and say, oh, I didn't sleep my six or seven hours because that's basically every day. Yes. Yeah, I shouldn't have mentioned Adrian's last name. Her last name was Hazlitt, Adrian Hazlitt, H-A-S-L-E-T. But if you see her post, I mean, she was out there. She was doing a fartlek workout. There was all kinds of snow on the ground. And she said the, the F in fartlek is her second favorite F word. She's very clever on social <laughs> media, which, you know, that's always a nice, you know, when you can see someone running on a prosthetic leg and realize they lost their leg in the bombing but they still have their sense of humor i really like that kind of stuff She's, absolutely uh, that's super inspiring yes thank you Bart, so much for uh coming on and speaking with me oh thank you Letty. keep at it keep being super mom and super runner and what you're doing is helping out the running community connect oh you're so sweet i admire what you're doing and i appreciate having me on Thank you, Bart, so much for speaking with me. I'm super excited that you and I talked afterwards and you have joined our amazing running community. It's a running group of the Speed Striders, um, which all of you guys are very welcome to find on Facebook and join. Speed Striders, don't let that name fool you because we like to be called Speed Striders, but in reality, our slogan is speed is relative and finishing is absolute. So it's just a group of runners from all over the world, literally, that loves running and we encourage each other and do challenges and all sorts of fun things. So again, I invite everyone to join us there on Facebook. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, we're at Running Podcast. And um, Ryan, anything else? It's great to have him in the Speed Strider group. So I hope he like, you know, put some input in now and again. It's people I'm sure would love to to learn from all the great people that are in the group. Yes, it's turning out to be a really great mix of, of people and a lot of experience. And um, I'm looking forward to meeting him at the Oklahoma City Marathon if I end up running that. Yeah, you used to live in Oklahoma. And that's why, you know, I've got family there. We, 
be a cool trip. We'll talk about that. Talk about staying healthy for the next few months and just uh, kind of taking it, I guess, a week at a time. One run at a time. One run at a time. That's right. And with that said, have a great week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running. <laughs>